0: WXDXFM. Pittsburgh Danica Patrick will be competing in her last race it's the Indy 500 it takes place this coming Sunday she won't win she never wins there has never been a bigger fraud in sports than Danica Patrick the race car driver because she never wins Danica Patrick has been racing since 2005 between IndyCar and NASCAR she has raced 367 times and she has won exactly once one win in 367 starts she won some IndyCar 300 in Japan in 2008 and that's it that's the list Danica Patrick is a gimmick She's a star because she's a woman, not because she's successful. I'm not anti-woman in sports. I am anti-fraud. There are so many great female athletes. And by the way, driving a car is not a sport. And doing it doesn't make you an athlete, but that's another debate altogether. Serena Williams has 72 career singles wins in tennis. Danica Patrick won once. Jenny Thompson, the swimmer, won eight Olympic gold medals. Danica Patrick won once. Annika Sorenstam won 98 golf tournaments. Danica Patrick won once. The US women's soccer team won three World Cups and four Olympic gold medals. Danica Patrick won once. Danica Patrick's a fraud. I keep hearing that racing will miss her, but really, It's like she never even participated. Danica Patrick is like a walking, talking, living, breathing participation trophy. Sick Again, today featuring 105.9 Commenter. Brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. Am I right, or am I right? 367 races, one win. There are guys out there that have raced less, one more, and you've never heard of them because they're not women. And that brings me back to just, again, this is 105.9 Commenter talking. Equal treatment isn't what special interest groups want. They want preferential treatment. Not equal treatment, but preferential treatment. And so often they get preferential treatment under the guise of equal treatment. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Somebody tweeted today, uh, Quote this tweet with your least impressive athletic feat you're most unreasonably proud of. Mine is I had an unassisted triple play in T-ball. And somebody tweeted, by way of response, my senior year in high school, rivalry game versus Findlay and Ben Roethlisberger, I had the honor to run first through the pregame banner. I crumpled the banner into a ball and threw it at Ben. Ben responded with eight touchdown passes. That's pretty funny. Uh, you know, I keep getting uh, heat on Twitter. By the way, you people on Twitter who don't want who, I'm not going to listen to him anymore. Whenever you say I'm not going to listen to him anymore, that means you listen more than anybody. If You don't want to listen, F off. I, I couldn't be more clear about that. If nobody listens and nobody follows me on Twitter, then I can do something meaningful with my life maybe spend all the money I've made that I don't have time to spend and could never spend all of given my current busy circumstances. So don't listen. You'd be doing me in a favor in a really abstract way. 22 years at the top is long enough. 22 years of total domination is long enough. Making five times as much as anybody at Barstool is enough. Oh, he's jealous of Barstool. Yeah, I'm jealous of people I make three, four, or five times more than. Boy, that really gets my goat when those guys make a fifth of what I do. I I can't believe they make a fifth of what I do. What can I do to make a fifth of what I do? They own space rent-free in your head. No, bro, everything that comes out of my mouth is for the benefit of me and 105.9 commenter. Uh, Getting back to the Murray-Flurry stuff, you know what's amazing? People say that Murray played over Flurry – Because he was Sullivan's boy. You see that phrase a lot, Sullivan's boy. Not because he won two Cups, but because Matt Murray was Sullivan's boy. Now, Sullivan believed Murray was a better goaltender than Flurry. That's why he kept going back to him, even when Flurry played well and beat Washington last year. And it worked because the Penguins won the Stanley Cup. I'll admit, back in 16, when Flower got concussed right before the playoffs and Murray went in there And he won. I still would have put Flurry back in as soon as he was ready. But Sully stuck with Murray because he thought he was the better goalie. And it worked. You know how I know? Because he won the Stanley Cup. And then he won the next one. That's one thing a lot of you idiots out there, and you're all idiots. You're idiots living poorly. Leeching off the government. Rich people paying taxes like me. I don't like any of you. You just ignore the two Stanley Cups. Well, Murray was Sullivan's boy. Yeah, and he won two Stanley Cups. You win two Stanley Cups, you're my boy too. You're everybody's boy. At least you should be. He won two Stanley Cups before his rookie year was complete. But he played because he was somebody's favorite, a pet project. Yikes. Uh, This Tampa-Washington series is just uh, incredible. I wouldn't call it well-played. I'd call it very intense, though. What are they going to say in Tampa if Tampa loses this series? In 2016, they led the Penguins three games to two in the conference final, went back to Tampa for game six and lost. Last year, didn't even make the playoffs. This year, they're going back to Tampa, having blown a three-games-to-two lead for game seven. What if they lose that? At what point do they realize that the team's underachieved? At what point does that call for change? Now, I think they'd be nuts to change. That's a great team, win or lose game seven. But at some point, you've got to get to where you had planned to go. You know where they made a mistake? Well, actually, I was going to say they made a mistake with the McDonough trade. But they didn't really give up anything off their current team except for Domestikoff that went to the Rangers, and they got J.T. Miller. That will be known very soon as the J.T. Miller trade because J.T. Miller was the better player acquired by Tampa. Ryan McDonough don't look so good out there. I don't know his plus-minus, all that stuff. but And I'm used to seeing the Penguins just eviscerate him. But, but I don't know that that trade helped their team as much as they thought it would. Uh, oh, this is hot news. Juju Smith-Schuster is endorsing the video game Call of Duty. Black Ops 4. Black Ops 4, is that like a racist thing? What's the, I mean, I don't know. I don't play video games. So whatever it's called, he's endorsing it. You'd think he would heed the Call of Duty and concentrate on OTAs, but, you know, attention whoring, that's important too. Uh, TJ Watt did not practice today at OTAs. You know what's great? If you cover the Steelers, if you're on-site, you're not allowed to say who doesn't, doesn't practice. That's a Steeler rule. If you're on-site, you can't report that. So you know what these guys do? They call me and I report it. So, Burt Lawton, if that's your philosophy, your rule, it's not working real well. Not as designed. Although, Burt's not been the same since that one Jamoke. Ryan, whatever his name is, quit. Ryan used to get him coffee and and shine his shoes and and, and run errands for him. It, it, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough when your bitch boy takes a hike. It really is. Tough when the bitch boy takes a hike. But, but anyway, uh, Watt didn't practice today, so Bud Dupree was lining up right outside linebacker. Now, we don't know what that means to T.J. Watt. Obviously, T.J. Watt's the superior player. At least I thought he was last year. But it's been suggested to me by the same writer who told me that T.J. Watt did not practice today that uh, Watt might go to left outside linebacker to cover the tight end more and handle the run more because more teams run to the right. And that would make Dupree just more of a pass rusher, period. Let's go to Matt in the car. Matt, you're on the Mark Madden Show. What's up, Double Watt? What up? Hey, um, I just want to make a comment. Uh, you know, I think racing, uh, you know, is a sport. You know, nope, it's not. Anything else? Well, what about motorsports? No, I they're mean, not sports either. None of them. Well, so, all I you mean, do, all you do in racing is sit in a car and turn left. Well, maybe NASCAR. You know, I, I'll give you that. But what about Formula One? The type of endurance and the training. Yeah, I know that. You, you occasionally turn right in Formula One. Am I right? Yeah, but I mean it's Oh, that's amazing. amazing. You not only turn left but turn right too? My God, the discipline required to know when to do what. You're right, it's great. Anything else? Yeah, but I mean those guys have to go through training and they Through know, training? They're, 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 what are they trained to do? What what's their training? I, I mean they're going two hundred miles an hour. I mean that's, that That doesn't crazy. require training. That requires putting your foot really heavy on the gas pedal. That's all it requires. It's yeah, not a it's not a sport. It's not a sport. There's some risk involved. There's some skill involved. It's not a sport. Thank you for the call. By the way, I'm very excited about having learned something today. Listen to this. I fly to Vegas a lot, and I'm preparing to do so five or six times before the end of the year. Actually, literally like four or five times. So I fly first class because I'm a big fat so, And there are no airlines that fly first class direct to vegas non-stop the only two airlines that fly direct to vegas are southwest they have no first class and to top it all off if they're fat if you're fat they make you buy two seats which is embarrassing sorry i won't do it i did it once felt like everybody was looking at me they weren't but i felt that way frontier airlines used to fly nonstop to vegas but but they don't anymore and they were too cramped anyway no first class i flew coach on them once it was horrible But now I've discovered Spirit Airlines. Nonstop. It's cheap. They don't have first class. You know what they have? Something they call the big front seat. What it is is it's a first class seat, but you don't get the first class amenities. You don't, you know, get get drinks every five seconds. You don't get, you know, your, 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 your backside kissed by the flight attendants. But you get a big seat. That's all I want is a big seat nonstop. You know how much the big front seat is nonstop to Vegas? It's like 500 bucks. That's half what I pay first class. So God bless Spirit Airlines. I will do ads for you. Just give me a big front seat once in a while. See, This is so revelatory, isn't it? I mean, I mean now I could be comfortable. I even got the measurements of the seats. The measurement in, in the big front seat is exactly the same, you know, from seat to seat, the legroom as a Delta first class seat. And the big front seat at Spirit is one inch narrower, one inch than a first-class seat for Delta. So I've given a ringing endorsement. Now, I might hate it when I do it, but, like, you know, all you do then is you, you like, buy, like, a pint of booze and sneak it on. There's your first-class drinks right there. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. An ex-Penguin made a bold prediction before this hockey season and it came good. We'll talk about that in a minute here on 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, what's happening, Mark? Loud
1: noises!
0: <laughs> <laughs> the X at 105.9. we got Scott Paulson, the radio legend and gentleman farmer, co-hosting the 5 o'clock hour. We had the Caddyshack book guy, Chris Natchewati, on in the first hour. My big three all time for comedy are Caddyshack, Animal House, and Slapshot. And the modern day ones don't measure up. Do you think any Will Ferrell stuff or Ben Stiller stuff honestly measures up? Uh, one thing I'll say about Ben Stiller and Will Ferrell they've done some stuff that's terrible. Like Ben Stiller with Secret Life of Walter Mitty. That should have been the secret movie of Ben Stiller and nobody should have been allowed to see it. My God. And none of the modern comedies have that slapdash kind of appeal, that improv type of appeal that the three movies, especially Caddyshack and Animal House, had back in the day. But again, I'm old. Those were the movies of my youth. And yeah, that's definitely part of it. Um. Nick Katsunik of NHL.com did a story about James Neal going back and finding some quotes from Gigolo Jimmy when he first joined the Vegas Gold Knights. And like Nick writes, in September, he said they would make the playoffs. As early as October, he talked about pushing for the Stanley Cup. And now Gigolo Jimmy's in the final. And that... I, you know, DM back and forth with Jim and and James, and, you know, I've seen him when the Knights have played the Penguins and on some of my other trips to Vegas. And he was saying back in October, November, we could win. We're good enough. He goes, this team has the talent and the chemistry with the talent creating the chemistry as always happens. But that's some story. And Gigolo Jimmy's a big part of it. And he, you know, called what's going on Right from the get go, staying with the Golden Knights, who are Pittsburgh's unofficial second hockey team right now. Really the first. Because the Penguins aren't playing. If if Flurry was on the team, they'd still be playing. Flurry's still playing, which means they should have kept Flurry. But uh Flurry talked about his goaltending coach out there, Dave Pryor, and said uh he's a great man. I think it shows he's been around a long time, so much experience. He's seen a lot of goalies, guys I grew up watching and liking, and he's coached them. I think he's somebody that wants me to trust in my ability to do things, unquote. Now, neither Flurry nor Pryor would talk about what changes Pryor's made in Flurry's game. One thing I've noticed is he's handling the puck less, like leaving his blue paint less. But you gotta leave it to go get it and you know set it up behind the net if nothing else. So it's nothing I've seen that's dramatic. I just think Mark has a lot of confidence, and it was quickly imbued in him with that team, and it trickled down to the rest of the team. Sometimes you just need a change. Not a better goalie coach, but a different goalie coach. And just a change of scenery helps. I think a lot of factors like that added up for Mark Andre Fleury. 412-333-9939 412 9939 is the number to call. Don't forget we have Scott Paulson co-hosting the 5 o'clock hour. Pirates play Cincinnati tonight. They lost those three to San Diego. They got to get back on track. You got to beat crap teams. Cincinnati's a crap team. Those three losses to San Diego, hey, every baseball team loses three in a row sometime. But Whenever it happens to the Pirates... Against a bad team to cool off a hot streak. It's happened so much over the past two years, leading them to sub 500 in both of those seasons. It just somehow seems more catastrophic. You know, you know why that is? Because the three winning seasons didn't quite erase the memory of the 20 bad before that. Like it or not, and even the most diehard Pirate fans would have to admit. You're more used to this team failing than you are to them winning. 105.90X. Here's a story that just won't go away. Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated is reporting that the NFL owners are discussing what to do about the national anthem quandary, and they might leave it up to the home team on whether teams come out for the anthem. If teams do come out for the anthem, The potential is there. The teams could be assessed 15-yard penalties for not kneeling. Okay, that's just stupid because the players on each team will arrange it so that each team has guys kneeling, and then the penalties just offset. What the NFL needs to do and should have done a long time ago is just say if you kneel, you're disqualified from participation. You can't play in that day's game. And then if players do and get ejected, well, then they really are sacrificing for their protest because they'd be forfeiting a game check. I'd like to see how many would be willing to do that. Maybe some would, but they just need to make it a rule. They're expecting pushback if they make it a rule. Maybe there won't be. And if there is, could it be any worse than the the bad PR they're getting now? No, it could not be. Look at the NBA. Mahmoud abdul ralph wouldn't wouldn't stand during the anthem. Denver Nugget player back when. They just made it a rule you have to. And he stayed in the locker room during the anthem, I think it was. But this can't go on any longer. It's killing their business. I mean, not killing it so that people are going to go broke, but it is making a lot of people not want to watch football. And I know what some people are going to say. Well, if they don't stand with respect, I'm not going to watch it anyway. Okay, that's on you then. But they got to find a happy medium. And a happy medium would be just be making a rule or keep the teams in the locker room. They didn't used to come out for the anthem. That was for TV. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, Somebody just tweeted me saying that uh, Anchorman and Talladega Knights had a lot of improv in them. I'm not sure I believe that. I don't think any of those in the least seemed spontaneous like in Caddyshack the Bill Murray parts were so obviously improv and spontaneous I mean that in a good way I just don't see Anchorman or Talladega Nights I thought Talladega Nights actually was very overrated I thought the Sasha Baron Cohen character dragged it down I thought it was an unnecessary character and an unfortunate gay stereotype as well uh, you know, they kicked Sasha Baron Cohen off the Queen movie. It's supposed to be Freddie Mercury. Apparently wanted to play it as a comedy. Some people just don't understand that it's not always all about them. I don't. I think it's always all about me. And that's been to my detriment many times. My detriment and the detriment of 105.9 Commenter. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Um... If you're just tuning in, the news from Steelers OTAs today was Ben Roethlisberger apparently uh, played nice with Mason Rudolph, the rookie quarterback, and told the media that he helped him and mentored him and nurtured him and did everything great that a young quarterback could possibly ask for. And then he said he was quoted out of context when he said some things about Rudolph that appeared to be inflammatory. Okay, like I've been saying all day, that was on a radio show, his radio show in fact, where all of the context was him. So when you are the context, you can't be quoted out of context. But Ben claims he was in the, frankly, the dopes covering the Steelers in this title just eat that up. I like Ben. I like when he says stuff like that. It is fodder for this show. It is... Mana from heaven in my industry, it is opiate for the masses. But he's also, well, on this one, he's totally full of crap. But when you're the number one quarterback who's very successful and has won two Super Bowls, you can say whatever you want. You know, most of those writers have been defecated in their hat. They'd put it back on and say thanks. So uh, I think it's funny. Not blasting Ben at all, because I like Ben. And this is one of the things I like most about him, his ability to spot BS for what it is and come back with some of his own by way of retaliation. Let's go to Matt in Natrona Heights. Matt, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Yeah, hi Mark, Um, I was just calling about the protest. I think they should just keep the players in the locker room like they used to. Because you can't take away their right to protest. Sure you can. You you certainly can. I'm not saying you should. And I've supported Kaepernick and and those guys, them doing it. I wouldn't do it. But I support their right to do it. But if you make it a condition of employment, sure you can eliminate it. If, If the NFL owner said you can't kneel for the anthem or you'll be disqualified for the game, then the guys would have a real choice to make. Right now, when they kneel... It only hurts the league. It only hurts the teams. It only hurts attendance, ratings, merchandise, whatever. Although, you know, it, it has cost some guys jobs, too. It, it, it is a two-way street. I can't believe Eric Reed. He's still not signed, is he, the safety from San Francisco? Because he real good. But he was there kneeling right alongside Kaepernick. But, but, yeah, you can absolutely make it a condition of employment. And there's nothing that could be done about that. I guess the union could get involved. But I think the union secretly wishes these guys would stop kneeling too. This isn't a hill the union needs to die on. There's a lot more pertinent, and by pertinent, I mean related to money matters that the union has to resolve uh, with the league. Then again, right. if they let the players smoke pot, they'll agree to anything, anything. Let's <laughs> say, hey, we're going to have you smoke. We're going to let you smoke pot, but the next regular season is going to be 35 games, and there will be some double headers. Okay, we, you said we could, not, not, but, smoke pot, right? Yeah, smoke pot. How many doubleheaders? We don't know. Did we say 35 games? We meant 40. Well, okay, if we can smoke pot. Let's go to Big Daddy and Bot, or Big Daddy. You're on with Double M. Hey, how do you think Big Ben's career is going to play out? Is he going to get hurt and get carted off? Is he going to get signed with another team? How do you see it ending? How, how can I predict ben? if he's going to get hurt and carted off? I'm just sure, I yeah, think your he thing. will I think he will finish his career as a Steeler. I think uh I think he thinks he's going to play 3 or 4 more years, but I think when he gets a load of his defense this year and realizes that that defense gives him zero chance to win a Super Bowl. I'm telling you, right now, the Steelers with that defense have zero chance to win a Super Bowl, and I think the reason he's continuing to play is to try to win a third Super Bowl. And once he sees that's impossible, I'm not sure they're going to get four years out of him. But I may be taking what I say out of context. I see him riding off somewhere else, man. After these two years? I don't think so. He's going to go somewhere else. He'll be how old in two more years? 38? Where's he going to go? Who's who's going to want the 38-year-old quarterback? I mean, Jacksonville would take a team like that that's got a great defense and a good running back. They would take a veteran quarterback like him in a heartbeat. Yeah, and Denver took Peyton Manning, and it worked out for them. I'm not sure Ben's Peyton Manning. No, you're right. Thank you for the call. Of course I'm right. You know, it it is amazing. Well, you know what? I was going to say that rich people, the NFL owners, they they can be so stupid for so long in not putting a conclusive end to the anthem controversy. But rich people think they're right no matter what they decide, and therefore they're not in any hurry to decide it or in any great pursuit of finality in a situation like this. But I would just tell them, look, if you kneel, you're, you're disqualified for the game. Now, if you feel compelled to kneel, you don't want to stand at attention, you can stay in the locker room and come out for the start of the game. That's okay, too. But you can't kneel or otherwise protest during the anthem. That should be a condition of employment. And I'm not saying that because I'm a patriot. I'm saying that because it would be what's best for business. And I'm not a guy who thought that this was making people not watch, not buy tickets, not turn on the TV, not participate in fantasy leagues, bet on football, you know, buy merchandise. I never thought that was true. But now I know personally too many people... That's it's affected, and they made decisions exactly of that kind. One thing about football, you can always count on them screwing up. Pro sports in general, bunch of ninnies, bunch of rich ninnies. Tell me a sport that is run well. Seriously, tell me one sport that is run like a Swiss watch. There aren't any. There just aren't any. They're all run by a bunch of dopes. I don't know how that happens how these multi-billion dollar industries, well, actually, I have a pretty good idea how it happens because, well, I don't know, recent elections, stuff like that. 412 333 Up next, we're going to talk to Bob McLaughlin and, and, and our, our featured co-host, who I understand has prepared everything for the five o'clock hour, so I have to do nothing. Oh, wait, now he's leaving. But he is in the building. It is Gentleman Farmer Scott Paulson hosting from 5 till 6 with me, Mark Madden, right here on 105.9.
1: And now the super
0: genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, how you doing? We're all going to rock to the rules I make. Double M, big fan. How you like it now, bitch? DX at 105.9. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Uh, Bob, uh, at the top of the hour... Uh, one Oh five, nine commenter said some very unflattering things about Danica Patrick saying she's a fraud because she's raced over 300 times and only has one victory. How do you feel about these inflammatory, uh, comments made by one Oh five, nine commenter?
1: Well, let's just say that even if I had those thoughts, Mark, I, I, as Bob McLaughlin not go on the air and spew such, such hate speech, such drivel. Um, but no, it's, you know what Danica Patrick was a marketing machine. That's it. She Period. was she was more a marketing machine than she was a race car driver. She had some talent until she got to those the upper echelon of really? that sport. Where,
0: where was the talent displayed?
1: No, until she got to the upper echelon of the sport, like she made her way up through the midgets. She did all this other racing and she did well.
0: How she, did the midgets reach the gas pedal? Well, <laughs>
1: You know as p f t oh, commentator... yeah is, that
0: that was said by P that was said by one o five nine commenter right, right, as you can say,
1: you could get away
0: with little that. little people was like what they like to be called Bob, keep that in mind moving forward, okay, sorry about that uh what about the the latest the n f l thing it's great for business because it never goes away now. the latest is they want to assess a fifteen yard penalty if you kneel that's easily gotten around you just have one guy in on each team kneel, and it offsets the penalty. Why don't they just make a rule saying you can't do it?
1: Well, that or like the other one, just stay in the locker room. I mean if this is really that big of a problem that it is and like you said it I never is,
0: thought it would become this big of a problem but I think right now it it is.
1: No it is and you talked about your personal experiences with people who think that way. I've had the same ones and as much as I didn't think it was that big of a deal that it was more the game and the changes to the game and the slowing down of the game and taking away the hits that were causing the problems and also you know the you know the the above NFL stories of the arrests the abuse, the drug use, stuff like that. The anthem thing was massive last year. And if you want to simplify it, you make them stay in the locker room or like the other leagues have, you make them stand up for it. You can't do the penalty thing because, like you said, home away, there will be an advantage-disadvantage factor.
0: You know, I was watching a pro football talk on NBC Sports this morning and Mike Florio said, and, and I, I, I can't say I never thought of this, but he he put it very succinctly. He said the main reason that, that you have OTAs and minicamp and all these you know short-term gatherings of the players is to keep them from having too much free time day after day after day after day because the owners believe the more free time the players have, the more likely they are to get into trouble. It's not as much about football as it is about control. I don't know if that's 100% true, but if it is, I can see the point.
1: I don't know if it's 100% true either. I mean, obviously you want the team to get together and work on some things and stay in physical shape. Remember, this is another reason to get the teams in sort of some physical shape instead of just playing uh, Fortnite all night. You know, we're playing other video games, which...
0: Please, you, please, uh, Call of Duty. That's the one Juju endorses. Well,
1: he all, yeah, he also already did the Fortnite one. but he really? Oh, yeah. Remember, that was the one he was on all the time. He played it at the Super Bowl. He made, like, uh,
0: in, is that they, the they all play that to? one. What's that? David Price, the the Red Sox pitcher. He's the one who stays up all night. Yeah, and he, like, (laughs) hurt a tendon in his pitching hand playing Fortnite.
1: (laughs) Yeah, another baseball injury, right?
0: I can't imagine, Bob. Do you play video games?
1: I don't, no. But I have kids who do.
0: Well, you you act ashamed to have never done it. I'm proud to have never done it.
1: No, no, I did it one time. Like, I played Mad, and I played a whole bunch of different things, but I never got into it. Bob, the game
0: is named after me, and I still don't play it.
1: Exactly. Like, at one time, it was a diversion like at school or just after school or when you first had your own place and you could have buddies over for some beers and you'd have some video games, then you don't have time for that. And if you have time to play it all night, you're doing something wrong.
0: Well, we talked about that that NHL 1st round draft pick uh, who's not in the league yet uh, and and he's not been revealed, but he allegedly plays video games all night every night and it's affecting his play.
1: Right. And they had to have like the team officials, talk to them about it. Now, I don't know if that's the medical staff or just the GM saying, look, you can't do this all the time. But, yeah, Mark, that's, look, all those guys, before all the marijuana testing got so prevalent, they would play their games, they would smoke a blunt, it, it's, they would have the guys over. I mean, that's, that's well, kind of well, a lifestyle. they still do. They uh, still
0: do. That's not ceased in the least. Now
1: now they just know when the testing is.
0: We talked uh, with Chris Nashawati, the author of the Caddyshack book. And uh, I put forth the notion after we had him on that no comedies of the latter day compare to Animal House, Caddyshack, or Slapshot. Do you agree? And which of the latter day comedies come closest?
1: No, I agree with that. You could never redo any of those three. And I know that you said your favorites were Caddyshack, Animal House, and And Slapshot. Yeah, like I just said. Slapshot, I'm Airplane, Caddyshack, Airplane 2.
0: But, really, see, I thought the airplanes were very funny but kind of stupid. I, I said on the air the other day, I was emb- like naked gun. I, I'm embarrassed to laugh at naked gun, but I do, uproariously.
1: But don't be, because they did that great. And then when other people started to do it, like the Pat Proffs, the Zucker Brothers, stuff like that, they were the master at it because it was so subtle. And they were making fun of things that everybody knew to be so serious, like the original movie. When everybody else started to do it, it just there became too much, and you well, that, were. Expecting that's part the of the joke. problem
0: now. There's nothing left to make fun of. Right. It's all been done. Uh, what? What? Like, let's say Will Ferrell, Ben Stiller. Which of their comedies do you think measure up in, in any slight way, even to the movies we're talking about?
1: Old School was really good.
0: Old School was really um, good. I think that's the best of of, of the Will Ferrell genre. Um, yeah.
1: Dodgeball was good. Now. After that, um, what was the other one? You, about the two brothers. The Wedding Crashers. I like The Wedding Crashers. But once you see four or five of those, it's the same movie.
0: Like, Step Brothers seemed like a bunch of movies that had been done. Right. Anchorman seemed like a bunch of movies that had been done.
1: Right. Very funny scenes, but when you walk out of the movie at the end, you're like,
0: oh, we, it was okay. We had, the, we had the guy tweet before, and I haven't checked it out yet. He said the Talladega Nights and Anchorman was largely improvised. I just don't believe that.
1: Well, I know Will Ferrell. He 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 maybe gets like the scene, and then he does like the help me, baby Jesus stuff like that.
0: Oh no no like, no that that's true. Right, he'll get the scene, then he'll riff off the scene. Right, but he's not creating a scene like Bill Murray did in Caddyshack. To me, that's improv. And if you to watch me, improv, is having nothing.
1: Exactly. And if you watch any of those Judd Apatow movies, who Judd Apatow compares very favorably with Harold Ramis. Same type of person, same kind of like. Okay, here's the scene. Go do it. If you stay till the end of the movies, it's them just doing scene after scene after scene and then picking up the best dialogue or the funniest riffs that work. And for those movies, Mark, it does work.
0: Well, right, because you see a lot of times in the end credits, like in, in uh, Talladega Nights, the scene where they, they have the knife in his leg, right. they did just a whole bunch of different stuff and they, they put the optakes at the end.
1: Exactly. And that does work if you have the right actor, but in some it doesn't work at all. And it's just, you'll see three scenes in a trailer, which are hilarious, and then the rest of the movie...
0: Well, that, that's that's the new Hollywood. I've often heard the better the trailer, the more likely the movie's terrible. Because they want to use a great trailer to get as many people in there that first night before the reviews get out.
1: Exactly. exactly. And there's no gopher to tie it all together at the end of the movie.
0: Yeah, Like know, there
1: was in Kenny Shack. It th- th- th-
0: made Doug Kenny, I mean, well, I think the drugs made Doug... Either slip or fall off the cliff, but but he was very upset about about that. Was John Peters, the executive producer, who said there's no plot. Put more gopher in, and he didn't give you know Kenny and Ramus and Brian Doyle and Murray a choice.
1: I can't imagine Caddyshack though without the gopher. Like looking at it now and learning. Oh that... no, no,
0: I don't think it ruined the movie at right. all. But I can see where where those guys would think it 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 compromised their vision. Then again, they compromised their own vision because it was supposed to be. The love story between Danny and Maggie that kept oh. the movie together, and then they realized, "Hey, we got four really big stars here. We got to make better use of them." But how could they not have realized that before, you know, even starting filming?
1: Mark, if the movie was about Danny and Maggie's love story, if that's all Caddyshack was, the first review would have been "Tanks for nothing."
0: Well, and the uh, Scott Columby, uh the, the like the the Italian looking caddy, right? That's night commenter saying that. By the way, he was supposed to be the third guy in the love triangle.
1: He's the one who got no coke because he had no 50 cent, right? And
0: you don't get no coke. <laughs> right. And, and the, he, he was barely, like, he wasn't even linked with Maggie at all by the time the movie came out.
1: The only time is when he's he's bouncing up and down trying to look in the window.
0: When, 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 Remember, they're, when they're about when, to get it on. Right, right. Uh, like, uh, in the book, there's a great line from Scott Columbia, the guy that played that cat. He goes, I could have sworn I was in this movie when he was at the premiere. <laughs> That's Bob McLaughlin brought to you by 84 Lumber. Up next, I insult somebody gratuitously in the opening segment, and then we have co-host. He is a radio genius. He is Scott Paulson up next on 105.9.